Uh, thank you very much, Carol, and thank you, John. Uh, do keep these uh, with you. We're going to refer to them. Uh, my name's Toby. I'm the pastor here. It's great to have you with us. We're starting Judges, and uh, it's all about God's people being faithful. So let me pray and ask that God will speak to us. My Father God, we do thank you we can be here together. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you would help us understand what's going on in Judges. Help me to explain well. My Father God, help us to be committed to following you every day in all circumstances. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You only had one job. I don't know if you've seen this on the internet. You've only had one job. It's a bit of a meme. A meme. Um, you only had one job. And I've got some pictures of people making a big mistake. And it's a pretty obvious mistake. Some of them are a little bit more obvious. And so the first one we've got, you might be able to see, he only had one job. The person put the red tile in the wrong spot. You see that? Um, the next one, I only had one job. Uh, two sets of drawers don't work in a corner, do they? Or you only had one job, you had to store these uh, boxes and you've stacked them on top of each other where they're clearly labelled, do not stack. You only had one job. Now, this one's a bit sticky, uh, trickier, this one. Uh, there's a misspelling. Uh, not the sign, the letters on the road. Uh, stop. Uh, and next one, uh, the rail down the stairs. It doesn't go down, it goes up. That's quite clever, isn't it, to be able to put a rail that high up? Or how about this for a display? Back to school in front of a bunch of knives. <laughs> Don't really want the knives at school. Um, and the last one, uh, we've got a couple here. The drain's not really working, is it? They didn't do it low enough, so the area's all getting flooded and the drain, none of the water's going in there. And uh, a sign saying, give cyclists space. And they've put it not on the grass, but in the cycling lane. You only had one job, and you completely mucked it up. That's what it is. You could spend hours on the internet looking at these funny photos. Now, we're starting our series in Judges in the Old Testament. It's one of the most colourful, but also memorable, but also disturbing books. Um, I'm going to try to do our talks as PG, but as we get later on, it kind of changes from PG to M to MA. Um, as some pretty vile, pretty horrible stuff. Now, Israel, they only had one job. They were to remove all the nations from the Promised Land. It was their one job, just remove all the nations. Joshua had led God's people, after Moses, into the Promised Land. They were in the Promised Land. All they had to do was remove the other nations. But as we'll see today, they didn't do it. They failed to do their one job. Now, my big idea this morning in my talk, compromise at your own peril. Israel compromised because they didn't do their one job. Thus, they became like all the other nations. They were meant to get rid of the nations and be different, but they failed and they became like everyone else. And unfortunately, we think that a bit of compromise won't matter. Human history says if I compromise a bit, it'll be okay. 
But Judges shows us that no, it isn't. It's actually disastrous. The God of the Bible wants full devotion. He wants full allegiance. He is a jealous God. And so we think about Judges. It's part of the Old Testament. As Alice said, it's just before Ruth. Um, You've got the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. You remember where the first book, we've got Genesis. Genesis calls Abraham to leave his family. We've got Genesis 12, these three promises that he makes to Abraham. Land, the promised land. Descendants. And you'd bless all the nations through his descendants. Now Genesis 15, God tells Abraham that his descendants would be slaves for 400 years. The Lord would punish that land, of course we know as Egypt, and bring them back to the promised land. And he gave them a reason why they'd be in Egypt 400 years. Genesis 15, verse 16. And they shall come back in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. His timing is perfect. And the sin of the Amorites had not yet complete. They were, of course, living in the promised land. It's very important, Coffin. We think, oh, those poor nations, those poor innocent nations losing their land, getting kicked out. But it's very important to see that they were wicked people. They were doing some horrible things. One of the, just one of many, would they sacrifice their children, their babies, to their gods? Horrible, just horrible people, wicked people. So God would rescue his people from Egypt, judge people. We read that in Exodus. Moses leads the disobedient generation uh, through the desert for 40 years and then Joshua leads them over the Jordan into their promised land. And that's the book of Joshua, the book before Judges. Now the end of Joshua, the John read, we've got that here, very significant in setting the scene for Judges. Joshua has successfully led God's people into the promised land with God's help. God has helped them take possession of the land. But there's still people in the promised land. And and as John read in verse 24, Joshua calls all the people together. And he's, you know, towards the end of his life. And he says, you remember all that the Lord has done, how he has been faithful through Abraham and your forefathers. He's very clear. He says, the Lord has given you this land. Pick it up in verse 13. Now, this is the Lord speaking. I gave you a land on which you had not laboured and cities you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. See, the Lord rescued them from Egypt. The Lord brought them to the promised land, gave it to them. How are they to respond? We have it there in the second paragraph on these sheets. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, serve beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, we've got those famous words, aren't they? 
And often people put them on their wall, and you might have the, I don't know what you call it, the sewing bit. What is that? Crochet? Is it crochet? Cross stitch, thank you. Yes, right. Cross stitch, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Israelites were to decide, who are you going to serve? And we pick it up in verse 16, the third paragraph then. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and persevered us in all the way we went and among all the peoples from whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, Joshua, he's been, you know, leading these people for years, and he's like, meh, I'm not buying it. You're talking the talk. I don't trust you. And he says, no, nah, I don't reckon. I, you, you can, you, God is a holy and jealous God. You can't do it. There's going to be consequences for you saying you will and then turning away. And then they say, no, 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 no. We will follow that. We are totally committed to the Lord. He's given us everything. We're, gonna, we're sold out to him. We're going to follow him. And so Joshua makes a covenant with them. It's very important for us to understand as we come to the book of Judges, the end of Joshua, the people have said, yes, we have the promised land, we are going to follow the Lord. And he asked them, he said, yes, absolutely we will. And the book of Judges proves that they can't. The book of Judges proves again and again, we're going to do this cycle next week that the kids did this, this morning, that they actually get worse and worse, weaker and weaker, further and further away from the Lord. And the other side, of course, of Judges is Ruth, was happening during Judges, then we have First and Second Samuel and Kings. God's people at the start of Samuel, they said, we want to be like all the other nations, we want a king who's going to lead us and fight for us and be our king. We want a human king like everyone else. But what they were saying is, we don't want the Lord as our king. We want someone we can look at, someone we can follow. And it's very significant, and that's why we read it, that last verse in Judges, Judges 21 verse 25, bottom of the page, summary of how bad things became. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the author of Judges is basically saying, there is no leadership. Everyone just does what they want. There is no right and wrong. If you want to do that, well, that's good for you. If you want to do that, that's good, but don't tell me what to do. What's right for you and is right for you may be completely different. Does that sound familiar? That's Ballarat, 2021. That's Victoria, that's Australia. Our society, although so many years apart, is just like the time of Judges. Everyone does what he or she sees is right. No absolute truth. Don't you be so bigoted. How dare you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? How dare you say there, is one there are two genders, male and female? How dare you say? 
that not everyone goes to heaven. So at the start of Judges, we come back to Judges, it's really important that we see the start. What happens? Verse 1, Joshua has died. When there's leadership missing in Judges, that's normally where it goes bad. But the Israelites, they start well. Joshua has died, but they inquire of the Lord, who shall fight against the Canaanites first? Their one job, remove all the other nations. And the Lord answers them, Judah, the tribe of Judah. In verse 3, there's the first lack of faith and obedience to God's word. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted to me that we may fight against the Canaanites and I, and I likewise will go with you to the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him and Judah went up and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. Now Judah should have fought the Canaanites by themselves. But they're a bit scared. They wanted a bit of help. So they asked Simeon, the neighbouring uh, tribe. We see that on the map. So that's the map. And then we do a zoom up. The next one, please. So see, there's Judah. And they say, uh, can we have a little help? Simeon, you want to help us? We'll help you. Beauty, let's do that. Now, note that the Lord actually still provides. The Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands. He provides their enemy into their hand. It's not them. It's the Lord. And notice that their conquest is recorded up to verse 19 where things change dramatically. And the Lord was with Judah and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants on the plain because they had chariots of iron and Hebron was given to Caleb, and Moses had said, and he drove out from it the three sons of Achan. And the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Perizzites, the you know, Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites lived there with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Notice the turning point starts with Judah, and it continues through all the tribes. Judah fails to do their one job, and then all the other tribes follow to do their one job. And it gets even worse at the end. The Aramites take a bit of land. Now, it's important to see that everyone fails to do their one job. And so we've got um, uh, judges in one. is kind of like this geographical lesson of all the tribes and all the tribes' inability to remove the inhabitants. One job they all fail. Now, really important in verse 19, it's highlighting why they failed. Read it again with me, second paragraph. And the Lord was with Judah, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. The Lord was with Judah. He was able to defeat the Canaanites in the hill country. He got the hills but he couldn't get the planes. Why? Wasn't because God wasn't with him. Wasn't because the Canaanites were stronger. It's because they lacked the faith. The Canaanites on the plains had the most advanced warfare. They had chariots of iron. And Judah were intimidated 
and they didn't even attempt to remove them. Like, oh yeah, we'll take them on the hills. Let's take, oh no, they got iron chariots. No, let's just, let's stop here. What happened? Common sense, well not really common sense, lack of confidence. They were trusting in their own ability and so they stopped. Instead of trusting in the Lord and his ability, they were trusting in themselves. Their lack of faith results in the Canaanites remaining on the promised land for centuries. And it's a great reminder, but also a great challenge for us. Are we trusting in God and his ability or trusting in ourselves and our ability? Tim Keller writes, it is not our lack of strength that prevents us from enjoying God's blessing or from worshipping God wholeheartedly. It is our lack of faith in his strength. We found ourselves making decisions just like the tribe of Judah. It's a great challenge. Where's our focus? Is it focusing on God's strength or our strength? We've all got different challenges, different problems, different obstacles, and they can be big and intimidating. And in one sense, they are, aren't they? They're too big. They're too hard. We can't do it. But nothing is too big for God. No challenge is too big for God. So let's get a bit personal. Let me ask you, what is the chariots of iron in your life? Broken relationships? Financial troubles? You might be dealing with some really horrible, really intimidating people that make your life really hard. Or is it health challenges? Let me be honest, you can't do it. None of us can do it by ourselves. None of us can handle those big problems or issues in our lives. We can't, but God can. Nothing is too big for God. What's our one job? Well, it's not to, you know, kick our neighbours out and expand the church building or our houses or anything like that. Our job is to trust Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Trust that Jesus is Lord, that he's the one in control. That we can't do it, Jesus can do it. Trust him as our Saviour. We can't save ourselves. No matter how clever, now how hard we try, we can't do it. That's why Jesus is the Saviour. How easy is it for getting that? No, no, I can do it. I've got, you've got this, Tobes. You can do this. Yeah, you can do it, Toby. <laughs> no, we can't. Only Jesus can. What's our one job? Trust Jesus. Only Jesus, the King of Kings, is the one that can help. Now, the rest of Judges 1 is an account of all the tribes failing, just like Judah. And we've got the map here and all the circles of the various tribes 
It's a bit small, I know, but just so you know, it's not just names. There's Manasseh, Ephraim, Zuba, Asher, Natali up the top there. They did not remove the Canaanites. And they even got worse. They took advantage of them. They said, oh, here we go. Here's a bit of slaves, slave labour. Humanity taking advantage of those less fortunate of you. Because we think about slaves and we think, oh, the bad old days. But there's more human trafficking, there's more human slaves now than there ever has. It's just we don't see it. It's done behind closed doors. But see, the problem is they think, oh, it's good, we'll have a few slaves and we can have life easy. But the problem is if we don't remove the Canaanites, Israel becomes like them. And the last couple of verses in and Judges 1 actually gets worse. Not only did the Israelites fail to remove the people, the Canaanites came back. The Amorites came and took some of the promised land of the tribe of Dan. And we've got that. They, they came back. And you think about you know, the history of the Gaza Strip, the history of this area, of the promised land. Everyone's saying it's their land. Generations of heartache. Thankfully, we like land, but we know as Christians it's not about land, it's about Jesus. Jesus is our inheritance. What's our one job? To follow Jesus. To depend on Jesus completely. Brothers and sisters, keep depending on Jesus. It is always the temptation to try and depend on ourselves to depend on someone else or even just to compromise a bit of Jesus, a bit of me, a bit of someone else. And for those that are new or those that don't know much about Jesus, let me encourage you to think about Jesus. Think about why he's different from any other leader. Think about what the significance of Jesus being God's son and how he came back from the the grave And how he is the one that never will die. Friends, we have one job. To trust in Jesus, to follow him and to not compromise our faith. Hear the warning of Judges 1. We compromise at our own peril. If we think we can handle it, if we think we can do it, or if we think, I've got this, then you don't. Being a Christian is putting Christ first, putting yourself second. Christian, Christ is first. We depend on him totally. But what a blessing. What a burden that is lifted from our shoulders that we don't have to do it. We don't have to save the world to save Ballarat. Jesus is the saviour, not us. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a a big reminder of how we so easily let the big problems, the scary things of our lives, take over. Father God, we are sorry for those times in which we've ignored you, we've even rejected you, think that we can handle it. Father God, help us 
to be humble enough to admit that we can only do so much. Father God, we have all got different iron chariots in our lives. For some of us, it's relationships, and particularly broken relationships. For some of us, it's financial difficulty. For some of us, it's people that are doing things that cause us a lot of grief and pain. And for some of us, it's our mental health or our physical health. There are big issues that we can't handle. Father God, help us to give them to you. We thank you for the words of Jesus. Come to me, all those who are heavy and burdened, for my yoke is light. Father God, we thank you that Jesus' shoulders are so much bigger that he can handle it. Help us to follow him, to trust him as our Lord and as our Saviour. Father God, for those of us that think we can just do a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of Jesus and a bit of everything else, help us to be aware of the dangers of compromise. That as Christians, Christ comes first. And as we delve into judges this term, speak to us, remind us of why we need Jesus so much. And we thank you for this opportunity. We pray for your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.